Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Working Change. Thank you very much for being with us. This is Nate. And Marla. And today we're going to be talking about attachment styles. Um, so. I'm excited think- about this. <laughs> I'd say that about everyone. Yeah, I, I, I really like are. this one. Okay. Um, because it's something I was not familiar with. How did you like, become familiar with it? Well, through you. Okay. <laughs> because you were going through your program. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about it. A fair amount, mm-hmm. I think, in um, the program that I'm in right now. But I look at this and I'm like, wow, if I had understood this, that would have been great. That would have been like amazing. <laughs> I think that like things would have been a little clearer for me. Yeah. Right, maybe I would have behaved a little different or um, I would have had more aha moments maybe. Yeah. But um, so it's something that I'm excited to kind of talk about. So that other people can learn about it and maybe, you know, you know, it'll be applicable and helpful and beneficial for, for parents out there as well as for relationships. But yeah, we're going to kind of split this, I think, into two. You said. It is. Yeah. So I, I like attachment as like a framework to view how we relate to other people. And that might right. be kind of a good rough definition of what attachment is. Um, and yes, we're going to try to split this. Well, we are going to split this one up. <laughs> so uh, this episode will be specifically about attachment uh with regards to children right and then the next one will be attachment in adulthood right so there there are some kind of distinct differences and and things like that and and some benefits and challenges and we'll go through all of that so we're gonna look specifically at uh children and attachment so what is attachment theory like we haven't even talked about that (laughs) okay i think we're like Jumping ahead here. Yeah. So, so attachment theory stems from a man by the name of John Bowlby. Right. Um, John Bowlby was um, a a psychologist, and he actually, I think he may have went to medical school. So, by definition, today, if you go to medical school, you're a psychiatrist. But like, if you go backwards far enough, there's sometimes a little crossover, and it's hard to know exactly what exactly someone is. Right. Uh, anyway, so John Bowlby was studying. Um, behavior in in young people mm-hmm. and really hit on some what what he thought was important things that impacted the behavior of people as they were young and he defined that as as attachment uh Mary Ainsworth who he who was his assistant and then like later did some some really important studies of her own also so, contributed quite a bit I'm gonna to interrupt here cuz okay, are we yeah. talking like 1600s 1700s 1800s when does this take place because you know, some I theories are really old mm-hmm. and, you know, you're talking hundreds of years. Some of them are like relatively new. You're talking like the last decade or so. Give me some context. Yeah. So, Bowlby's work was primarily, uh, if I remember correctly, in the 1940s to 19 through 1980s. You got it. So. <laughs> yeah. I was just testing you. Oh, you were? Okay. <laughs> you knew the answer and you tried to throw me under the bus. Yes, I okay. did. <laughs> this is great. So, um it's a kind of, I would say, newer a theory. I mean, compared to like Freud, it's newer. Well, you know, the field of psychology is not that old. That's so in true. terms of, of if you look at how old it is, I mean, a lot of theories that, that people are, are exploring today didn't exist in the 1940s. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know exactly how to, how to classify it. In some ways, it's older, but it's not the oldest. Okay. I think it's an exciting thing because it it does really speak to how we feel and how we relate to each other as human beings. You know, we long for connection. 
And we aren't doing this alone in, in a lot of ways. So how we attach and how we connect with people, I think, is 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 important. Right. And then today, you know, how we're going to talk more about like how we attach and connect mm-hmm. with our children and how children attach and connect with right. their, their caregiver or their right. adult. So, so some of the early um, theories of attachment, which um, talks very much about our primary attachment to our principal mm-hmm. caregiver, um, Freud got into some of that. Right. And, and so early beliefs were that the way you attach to your early caregiver is how you would always attach to people throughout your life. Right. Um, we now know that that's not correct. Thank goodness. Yes. Yes. For anybody. <laughs> for some people, yeah. thank goodness, you know, for others. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of a good starting point. We can attach to people differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but our first attachment, our primary attachment to our, our primary caregiver in, in most cases, it seems to be our mother seems to be kind of our baseline. Right. That's what our, our style tends to want to go back to. Well, and a lot of people will refer to that as like your working model. So the perception that you have of the world and how you relate to people, how you work through those relationships is based on how your caregiver like behaved with mm-hmm. you and how you related to that caregiver and how they relate to you and vice versa. So it sets up some like kind of ground rules that I think we just kind of work through and work around as we grow. Yeah. So why don't we get into the attachment styles? Do you want to walk us through those? Oh man, you're, th- you're paying me back here. So there, um, I like to to remember them like the easy way. Okay. You know, there are multiple names that 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 it has right. seen, and there's, um, but the the three that I terms I like to use are secure. Mm-hmm. You know, secure. We'll go through them after I, I list them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Secure and anxious mm-hmm. and an avoidant. And then there's a fourth one that's called disorganized. We're not going to talk a ton about disorganized. Well, disorganized isn't necessarily special in 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 any way, except for the, it, it kind of contains bits and pieces of right. the other. Three. And it's a little bit more rare. So yeah. um, most individuals, most children have a secure attachment from so, what I've read. Yeah, there was a 2009 study that said... Um, maybe roughly a third or, or a little more than that of children are um, not securely attached. So they have an other than secure mm-hmm. attachment. I was a little surprised by that. I thought it would be higher, but... Um, so you thought there would be more secure attached children? No, or I thought less? there would be less. Okay. Because that would indicate that somewhere in the neighborhood of two thirds of all children are securely attached. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's true. I don't yeah. know. Um, I don't really even know why I thought it would be higher than that, but I just did. Now, are you thinking children as in like infants or children as in like adolescent, uh, teenager? Yeah, kind of. I don't know how to classify infants because I don't, I don't work with infants. So, so that might be a little bit maybe more specifically what they were talking about. That's typically zero to like 24 months, isn't it? I believe. Yeah, usually. Yeah. So... I, you know, I think maybe that that number is high if it's an infant, just because like you're giving as a caregiver so much attention to a child of that mm-hmm. age. You know, you have to give them a lot of one-on-one. Children aren't like feeding themselves, you know, un- until almost a year old. Yeah. But you know, so so secure attachment is basically the idea that we connect with um, a, a primary caregiver right. or or maybe a, a few, depending on the the dynamics of the household. Mm-hmm. Um, it means that we feel safe, 
Um, I think you said you had a, was it three S's or four S's? There are four S's. Okay. Why don't you want to do that later? Okay. You want to do that afterwards? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so the idea of, of a secure attachment is we feel comfortable with our caregiver. We feel like our needs, our needs can be met and we can, when we express a desire for needs being met, um, we get that. Mm -hmm. So the other nice thing about it is it, is it allows children, uh, confidence so they can explore their world. So they can kind of grow independently, but also know they have a safe place to go if they have issues. So they have this kind of support structure that they trust. Right. Um, so the next would be kind of anxious and sometimes it's also known as ambivalent. Right. And so anxious or ambivalent is, is a child that, uh, is some people might define as clingy. Yeah. Okay. I, I would, I would say so. They, um, tend to, you know, not want you to leave, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you get that picture of them hanging on your, your leg, you know, don't leave me mom kind of thing. Um, but they're, they're nervous. Mm-hmm. They're wondering, you know, are you coming back? How are you going to treat me? You know, they maybe have been met with a little bit of like, um, a swing in the pendulum of really nice and then maybe not so nice. And so they're kind of wondering where the pendulum is swinging. So yeah, typically inconsistent parenting leads to. And so they're not sure what to do. Now there is that component that we've talked a lot about as far as um, biological, you know, nurture and nature. Like we have a daughter who I swear when she was born, just a couple months old, she was already wringing her hands. Mm -hmm. She was, she just tends to be a little more anxious, but given our biology, you know, that, Probably is true. She probably has a disposition to be a little bit more anxious. Mm-hmm. However, there is that huge nurture component right. um, as to whether or not we that is fed or starved. Mm-hmm. I think in her, she may always be slightly anxious, but you know you can nurture that into a more secure right attachment. Right, and and so a, a, now a child a child's disposition could sometimes look like um, like. So an anxious child may look like they have an anxious attachment style. Right. Um, but someone that is um, safe and secure and, and and able to meet their needs can help them have a less uh, anxious approach toward their partner. Right. If that, if that Correct. makes sense. And that's yes. more than like an adult type thing. Right. Um, the other thing that's interesting about, about an anxious attachment style is you tend to see kids that act out a little bit more in a maybe aggressive way. They might throw tantrums. Um, they they can really struggle with Which, that piece of things. To me, was so curious when I heard that. Like for the first time, I was like, "What?" Like I would think that that would be more of an avoidant child. But if when I sat and I thought about that, mm-hmm. why are they having that tantrum? Why are they acting aggressively? Because they're not getting their need met. Exactly. So. You know, we talked about in an earlier podcast, in the communication podcast about children, um, about teaching children how to problem solve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you can get down on their level and and really understand what it is maybe they're thinking about and why they're having that tantrum, I think it's important. You know, looking at it and saying, you know, they have a problem here that they're not getting met, that they don't know how to solve. Mm-hmm. And so their natural... um disposition is to just to explode. Like I I can't, I'm frustrated. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And that comes out like anger in in that. So I get that. 
you know, I'm anxious. I need this solved. I don't know how to solve it. I'm, I'm a little frantic and now I'm just, I'm, I'm overstimulated and, and I'm blah right. on you. So that makes sense. Yeah. The, the irony in that is really what they want is to be loved and feel right. important. And, and, but, but what they're doing is, is causing people to kind of put up walls. Right. So it, it the irony in that is, is you would expect that behavior from somebody that's like, hey, get away from me. Right. But what they're doing is they're engaging in that behavior and they're saying, hey, come save me. Right. So right. it's very confusing sometimes for the other party. Right. Um, so that would lead us to to avoidant uh, attachment style. Right. And avoidant attachment style is interesting because like on its face, it, it really, I mean, avoidant is the perfect word. Like they're really just ignoring things that bother them. Now, at its core, it's believed that the child has this internal sense that they are unlovable. Mm-hmm. And so anything that bothers them, they just learn to push away in order to to prevent too much closeness because mm-hmm. they feel like they're going to be hurt. I mean, sometimes you you, you see this in children that are, are abused or neglected. Right. And so they, they really feel like they can't trust other people. Well, because- this is a child who hasn't had their needs met consistently. Mm-hmm. Like they've come to a, this caregiver and this caregiver's kind of ignored them, pushed them away, maybe been rough with them. Um, and they've learned like, this person doesn't like me. Like uh, there's nothing wrong with me. And and it shifts. Right. So it starts with there's something wrong with me. And the avoidant person eventually as an adult becomes there's nothing wrong with me. Everything that's wrong is with every with, with everyone else. Oh, you're teasing people because that's what we're going to talk about next, next time. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I think, it's it in, I think it's interesting how that shift takes yes, place. Yes, it, it does. And there is. But it, it initially, it's there's something wrong with me. Right. I'm, I'm not, not lovable. Love. Mm-hmm. So in order to like kind of like cocoon myself and save myself... I'm not even going to ask. Like, I don't want to be rejected. I know that you're going to reject me and you're going to tell me I'm trash. So I'm not even going to ask. So I don't need you. I'm going to go figure this out myself. So the challenge with these is sometimes these children look incredibly independent. Yes. And so it's sometimes easy to confuse certain behaviors of avoidant and certain behaviors of secure. And, And so we just as parents have to be aware, like, are my, is my child ever coming to me? Like, are we ever connecting? Because if it's like we're not ever connecting, that could be a problem. And that might indicate that they may be more avoidant than actually have a secure. Because if they're secure, then they feel comfortable that they can come to us and, um, you know, talk things through. And they may not necessarily get what they want and they might be disappointed, but they handle it in what we would, you know, in the most positive way possible. Right. So attachment theory is this idea that we are making attachments and they can either be secure, which is what we were shooting for Mm -hmm. anxious or avoidant. And then there's that, that disorganized. Yeah, I know. I feel like like I'm a little bit disorganized or I was when I was, (laughs) are we talking about your like room or are we talking about your personality? (laughs) (laughs) That's another podcast on ADHD, I think. (laughs) But, But yes. And so disorganized is kind of just, all of it. And they are really difficult to to well, negotiate and to handle. Yeah. So it's hard to know what you're dealing with with someone that's disorganized because they are all over the board and they can look so different in, in so many ways. And this particularly is a challenge in coupling relationships. Yeah. So I work with couples sometimes as a therapist. And when I have someone comes in that I suspect is disorganized, like I immediately – like really start to pay attention to what they're doing and what how they're acting and everything because – 
um, it's hard to know how to treat somebody if they are a, then you, you know, you know how to treat a, if they're B, you know how to treat B. If they're C, you know how to treat, if they're all, then it's, it's just so much complexity. Right. And we're going to talk about that in our next podcast yeah. mm-hmm. a little bit more. So what do we do about this? Okay. Excellent. So you know, this is, this is about children. And right. What do we do as parents? So, how do we nurture yeah. a secure attachment? That's the goal here. You know, we want a child with a secure attachment. So there's, there's really, I think, two parts to this. One is, what can we do to maintain these secure attachments? Mm-hmm. Because there are specific things. The other is, if I, if I suspect my child has an insecure attachment for whatever reason, and sometimes that's maybe on us as parents is not doing a great job. Sometimes there's things in their environment that we don't, can't control that, you know, whatever the reason is. Um, and, and what we find is these, these things are all the same. Right. So, so these things can change. They are fluid. You may not have, have attached as well as you would like when a child was younger, but you can still attach. It's, it, I feel like it's a little bit more work. And I think we see that in your children versus my, ch- our, you know, our right. separate biological children. Well, attachments like- change. I mean, you, you could be really super secure with a child. Mm-hmm. Something happens, divorce, whatever, right. and that attachment strains mm-hmm. and it becomes like more anxious. They don't know how to like, navigate around mm-hmm. you and, and and it's work so it's understanding that like it, what i have needs work yeah and there's always hope like it's not a done deal because i messed it up maybe in the beginning i can yeah. i can fix that and i can work on that um there are some things that you can do you know i saw um dr siegel was dan siegel yeah about oh. parenting mm-hmm. and he had the four s's and so, some people love them and some people have lots of issues with him, but I thought it was smart. He had the four S's, which are uh, every child needs to be seen, mm-hmm. soothed, secure, and safe. So when you say seen, like it's mainly like getting down on that child's level. When, when a child is experiencing something, am I putting myself in their shoes and saying, how would this feel as a two-year-old or a four-year-old? You know, would I be frustrated? Would I whatever? Am I slowing down to not just be like, oh, come on, we're doing this again? You know, maybe just saying, oh, that looks really frustrating. You're really sad right now. You know, let me help you. They want to know that you're like watching what they're doing, that they're important. It shows that like that you're taking the time to have empathy for Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So that's a scene component. The soothe component is is they they, they need to be able to come to you for comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, That you're like that soft place, you know, and when they're upset that you come to them and you just, Hey, you know, that must have been really hard. I'm sorry. You know, looks like you're really upset. You know, you're not, you don't have to solve it. You don't have to go over the top, but they just, they need to know that they can come to you for some sort of comfort. Right. Um, and that you need to be safe. The other one is safe. You know, if I'm hitting my kid all the time, they're not going to come to me. I'm not that safe person. If I'm going to yell at them every time, they're not going to want to come mm-hmm. and talk to me about that thing that's really hard or the problem that they're having. Um, secure that, you know, this is, a, this is a relationship that like um, is definite mm-hmm. that it's not going to be, I'm here this weekend, but I'm not here next weekend. You know, right. I need to know that I can count on you. 
And, and, you know, those are difficult things mm-hmm. because as parents, you know, we have stressful jobs and yep. we have other children and we have responsibilities. Maybe and some of us are divorced and right. sharing custody and not living in the same state or whatever. It, it gets really difficult. Yeah. So, so being able to be consistent takes a ton of effort on our part. So, right. so on the first hand, I would always tell someone like, give yourself some grace, do the best you can. Um, you know, but doing the best you can really will go a long way. If you've got just anything left in the tank to give to that child, if that child is in distress and you're in distress, sometimes we have to put our own distress to the side, deal with them, help them with their distress before we can tackle our own. And that's really hard sometimes. Right. So so what are some things that we can do? Okay. If we have a child that we feel like we have maybe an insecure attachment. Okay. So what we, can we do to help them? Yeah. So we found this infographic or, or this information that I thought is really helpful. Um, it's from the Norfolk Press. Uh, I think it's entitled Supporting Children with Attachment Difficulties. And I would recommend people look this up because I thought it was excellent. They, they make, they, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing on here is, is really complex and, and so very really, easy read. Right. Yeah. Right. I thought it was excellent. So the first thing they recommend is to set limits and boundaries, uh, which which makes sense, right? We need to know kind of what are what it, what the expectations are, like, and and even so, expectations is one of those words where that gets us into trouble because if we know where the expectations are and they know where the expectations are and then they run right through it, sometimes we get frustrated. Right. So you know, be a little bit flexible with with the expectations. Whether or not you can change the expectations, maybe you can't. But at least um, expect that it might take some time for for them to understand the expectations and for it to to become a routine. Um, so so that's the first one. Um, well, it mentions in there staying calm. <laughs> right now, yeah. you know, with I think, well, I guess all ages. And who am I joking? Um, that can be hard. Like if you have mm-hmm. a very difficult child. Staying calm can be like the one thing that you maybe you just have to work on over and over and over again. But I have seen it when I stay calm with my kids, even when they're just driving me crazy, it goes so much better. And it's interesting to watch, like, even with you staying calm, the the outcome is so much better with the, with our kids. So staying calm is key, you know, just, you have those limits, you have those boundaries, you know, don't act like they're, you know, don't blow it out a proportion, just, Stay calm. Think about it rationally before you you act. Yeah, I tell I so I I use the term like don't don't let somebody hijack you onto their crazy train. And I really <laughs> think that kids are excellent at that. Oh my gosh, I have a ticket on that crazy train right? sometimes. So yeah. so I don't want to be anywhere near that. Like yeah. I've got my own stuff to and and when when I'm just all out of sorts, I'm getting nothing like everything that I'm doing feels really difficult. And, and it's, it's just not enjoyable. I don't want to be there. So, so it takes effort on my part, not to let other people like kind of pull me on. And and I think most people know dramatic people that are constantly kind of like trying to drag you onto their crazy train Yeah. and you have to make a concerted effort not to do that. You you don't want to get upset about somebody else's stuff. That doesn't mean we don't care about them. And it doesn't mean that we don't want to help them. It just means like, you know, we have this idea of, you know, these things belong to me. Those things belong to you. That's, that's sometimes called differentiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I will help you in any way that I can, but I can't own your stuff. Right. And, and I don't want you to put your stuff on me. Right. So, so let's say you didn't do a great job. You got on that crazy train 
it became a train wreck. Mm -hmm. There are some things that you can do. Yes. And I really like this article because it talked about that. Yeah. It talked about the value of immediately owning the fact that you have so there's so they have two parts that yes. actually play well into this. One is that we own mistakes mm-hmm. and that we initiate repair. So that right. might be an apology, and mm-hmm. you know what can we do to fix it. And the other, which is which I thought well, was, and an immediacy. They talked about immediacy too. You don't wait like a month. Well, so the, yeah, to that do was, that. That was the second part, which okay. is that we make ourselves immediately available uh, to reconnect after a conflict. Mm-hmm. So if if they come to us and they're feeling bad and we might be angry or, or maybe feeling bad and they want to connect. We don't rebuff them. We don't tell them to, to like go away. You're the worst. I can't even deal with you right now. Like that's going to further damage any kind of attachment repair right. that we could do. Right. You know, the attachment repair is, Hey, I love you. I, I, maybe I didn't act the greatest and I'm sorry. Like, I think that we need to, we, this is something that we can solve. Um, you know, let's let's talk about it. And, We're both smart. We can do right, this. right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways that we can respond, and putting up walls um, is just going to further the problem. Right. <clears throat> um, so the the I think the other one that that they really focused on was uh, predictable routines and schedules. <laughs> you hate this. <laughs> well, <clears throat> when I first met yeah. Nate, that was one thing I really wanted. A lot was just a predictable routine and a schedule, and you fought me on that. And I think it was because of the ADHD component that you struggle with, because that's difficult for parents with ADHD. Time management when you have ADHD is a nightmare. Is a nightmare. It really is. But kids thrive mm-hmm. on routines and schedules. I mean, if you can do a routine and schedule, they will remind you. Oh no, no, mom, we don't do that. We we do it at five o'clock, not at like four thirty. Like, why are we doing it early? You know, they love to know what's coming up. You know, I mean, they love surprises, but they do want to know that you're predictable. I mean, I've had some kids were like, yesterday, you took my keys and I couldn't get yeah, in the car to pick up a child. Yeah. And the child was like, and I was late picking her up and mm-hmm. she was just like, oh, I thought you lost me. And I, you know, I was going to like, dust time was starting to cry. And, but, you know, when you're not predictable, or if somebody's not predictable, it, your world does fall apart. Well, it having feels like routine, something might be wrong. Yes, having that routine is mm-hmm. is necessary. Yeah. It's needed. It's it's comfort in yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, so they had a couple other things that I I wanted to to throw out there. Um, one is find things that feel good to your child. Now this could be obviously taken to an extreme <laughs> that wouldn't be healthy, but we want to love them in the ways that they want to feel loved. Right. Like sometimes your kids. You know, they, they like to be hugged. And, and so, you know, that's what they want. They want affection and, and some kids. And I guess I'm making this like an all or nothing. Like, like sometimes people just want a little bit of everything, but they might prefer one thing more than another. So that's what you give them. Some people, some kids really like compliments, you know, and, and so they'd take a compliment over anything else. And so that's what we try and focus on. It doesn't mean that we don't tell them that we love them or it doesn't mean that we don't hug them. It just means that we try to love them in the way that we love them. And so we might give them more of, of one thing versus another right. um, in terms of, of love languages. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking, you know, where you have um, – help me out here. So you have oh, physical surface. touch. You have uh, – Time. Okay, quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, words of affirmation. I don't know. Was there, was there five of these? There are five. 
there's a lot of them. So this is me talking on the fly, like being unprepared and, but and that's okay. These, but these you know, helpful, though, the interesting this. thing is, is I've had this conversation with some of my older, like teenage mm-hmm. children, and I've asked them, I said, "What? What's your love language?" You know, how do you like to be loved? Like, maybe I'm doing this all wrong. Like, if I'm always doing, like, an act of service and they really just want a hug, physical touch, am I doing this wrong? You know, sometimes I think it's okay to ask your child. Well, we have the ways we have the ways we want to love people. and then Or the easy ways for us to do it, too. Like, maybe we're short on time and a high five is all we can give them, you know, that day. Right, Asking them, I think, is is always wise. Yeah. You know, what do you really like? Yeah. You know, see what they say. Um, so another would be to help your, your child identify emotions and express their needs. I think that one's huge. Yeah. That one is just absolutely massive. Um, part of that is language challenges. When kids are young, they may not necessarily understand what an emotion means per se. Like they have really limited vocabulary and especially in emotional things, which are complex and the, you know, I mean, some adults have difficulty with that. Yeah. Um, but teaching them to be able to communicate emotionally will be so much an advantage later on in life, especially when they engage in romantic relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. children need help labeling those emotions Mm -hmm. too. They aren't quite sure what they're feeling. And so appropriately labeling emotion is is great. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you might actually come across kids that just have never learned that. And so they may look like a mess because they don't know what they're doing with their emotions. They don't. And so they're acting, everything looks angry because they don't know what frustrated feels like or or how to deal with that. They don't know what sad really is or, or some of the more complex emotions. So they're just dealing with, I'm, I'm happy. I'm angry. I'm happy. I'm angry. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the last one, listen, talk and play with your child. I mean, it's just spend time, you know, Mm -hmm. time matters. So, so when you can do that, um, and sometimes it'll be something that you want to do, but it's still time, you know, but if you can do things that they want to do, that's, you know, I think the interesting thing is, is like the first one they say is listen, Mm -hmm. listen, talk and play. Mm -hmm. So kids learn and and live their life through play. You know, it, it, I think most of the things I've learned is because I was playing with them. You know, you're watching them and how they play and what they're playing. They'll tell you a lot, you know, while they're playing and then listening to them. If you give them the opportunity to talk, they'll talk and they'll talk and they'll talk and they'll talk, you know, put them in the car. Like I, my kids will always say, mom always took us on eight hour drives because she just wanted to like talk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they were like, Oh, here goes mom. You know, we're getting in the car. We're having this therapy session with mom. So but that was the time I, I had a captive audience. There wasn't anywhere for their, they weren't jumping out of the car, but you know, they had to sit and we had to have conversations. Mm-hmm. So listening and talking are super important yeah. for children. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's going to wrap up, um, attachment styles, uh, with children. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that was informational. The next time we'll talk about attachment styles. Uh, with regard to adults, and they they primarily manifest in romantic relationships. They could manifest places, other places as well. But these attachment styles are really, really specific to uh, that we see them most often in really close relationships. And before we wrap up, mm-hmm. I would really like to know if people have questions okay, on yeah. anything that we talked about today. If they've got specific problems that they would like to addressed, or if they have like even questions on this next topic that we're going to do okay. that they'd like to specifically like hear about, they can reach us. On our Gmail. Yeah, so that's uh, workingchangecoaching at gmail.com. Yeah. So you can email us there if you have any input or questions. We, we'd love to answer as, as many as we could. Mm-hmm. So shoot us a line and let us know. Yep. Awesome. 
Thank you very much. Have a great day.